This is David McCall, host of the QTS Experience Podcast, and this week I'm joined by podcast host and keynote speaker, Beth Munn. Beth and I discuss her experiences as an analog astronaut and as a NASA spokesperson, an excellent conversation into an area most of us have absolutely no experience in. So please join us on the next QTS Experience. The most valuable commodity on Earth today is data, how we make it, use it, move it, and protect it. My name's David McCall. Join me today for the QTS Experience. Beth Munn, three, two, one. <laughs> Beth, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much. I'm happy uh, to be here. I'm glad you're here. Um, I have seen you probably more here at uh, Humans to Mars Conference, even then the CEO, Chris Carberry, every t- everywhere I work, it's like a Beth sighting. There she goes. There she goes. There she goes. You're in demand. Why are you in so much demand? I'm busy. Well, they tell me where to go and I go. I'm very good at listening to directions. <laughs> well, thank you very much for carving out a little bit of time and coming onto the show. Sure. I, I, I've been asking everybody who's involved in this program, what's their path uh. to an event like this? How'd you fall in love with the idea of space or space exploration? Can you uh, help us to understand a little bit? Well, I should expound a little that we're here at the Explore Mars event, the annual Humans to Mars Summit, which for me, this is my first time here. Oh, really? I've had a relationship with Explore Mars for quite some time, but because Mm -hmm. of COVID, we're all coming back now on the scene in person. So like you, I'm meeting some of these folks for the first time. So even though we've worked together and I've seen them, Seeing them in person is totally different. And I usually get the, you're a lot taller than I thought you are. And I'm like, wow, yeah, that's true. I guess the camera does, you know, make you look different. So here I am, and I'm, I am a lot taller than most. You but. know what I've never gotten, which I'm hoping for just one time? Wow, you're, you're a lot better looking oh. than I thought you would be. <laughs> usually they step back in fear. You're a lot wider than I thought you would be. I don't, I don't know how that is. Anyway, so you're taller. Well, the, the camera does add, uh, or now we can say maybe the camera takes away inches or something. I don't know. It's like, how do you, how do you get that I was not tall? I don't mm. know. So you asked about how I got started, yeah. and my answer is always space camp. Mm. I read a book because... Back before the internet, that's what Mm -hmm. we did. Mm -hmm. We would read books. Mm -hmm. And I was just, you know, in grade school and space camp, the book came out. And I read this book and I already am falling in love with the idea that a robot can launch a bunch of kids on the shuttle to space and they have the experience. But in the back of the book, there was, if you're interested, write us at NASA to request a pamphlet to come to space camp. Hmm. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Space camp is a real thing. <laughs> and then the movie came out and anyone knows if you make a book into a movie, it's right, real. Right. So I was like, wait, Absolutely. it can really happen. So I asked for the brochure. They sent it. And long story, I started my journey at space <clears throat> camp after mowing lawns and doing the things that required begging right. for money to go. And it changed my world. Mm. My people, my friends, my colleagues, the people who were my age, like-minded, interested in the sciences, but not coastal, so that we weren't growing up with that in our backyard. We weren't Mm -hmm. exposed to scientists, engineers, and launches or rocketry whatsoever growing Mm -hmm. up in the Midwest, Mm -hmm. smack dab in the middle of the Chicago suburbs. Mm. Where was all that? That just wasn't in our yard. So when I go down to Huntsville, Alabama, and I meet my new forever friends, and we get to really engulf ourselves in this magical world that 
truly is like for us, mm -hmm. the mission control and the experience we had and the mission we went on. Wow. It changed me. And mm. I said, this is somehow going to be in my future. Mm. Now, I still had to discover who I was and what were my talents were lie. Sure. But for me, that was it. It was like people sometimes say, I knew when I was seven. I didn't know until I went to space camp. And then I knew right. that somehow I would be tied to this endeavor that would allow it would open the doors to invite me in. Mm -hmm. And prior to that, I thought space wasn't going to be something I would ever be invited to. Right. What grade were you in when that happened? Eighth, seventh eighth. or eighth grade. Okay. Yeah. So still middle school. Yeah. And then my friend Kevin Raber got a telescope. He had the only lot open next to all the houses in a row right. in my neighborhood. And this Kmart telescope right. we would look at and it, that changed everything too. I mean, right. if you can see stuff like that through a really cheap telescope, Imagine what you can see if you really had a real piece of equipment. And so I'm reading books and I'm asking questions. My parents were like, ask your teachers. My teachers were like, read some books. And right. <laughs> so I'm like, where can I get more? And space camp was that more. And right. then that opened doors and more doors and more doors. And it was a whole variety of students from really serious people who were there to start their pathway to folks like me who were kind of just showing up on the scene like, right. is this real? What's it about? I'm going to take it all in. So it was great to, to literally be among the other young girls. I mean, talk about girls and boys, but to right. be among the other girls who were seriously, they were already on an aviation path or they had already studied these things. Right. And I was in awe of them. Right. And then I just took it all in on the whole space camp trajectory and then ended up teaching there, ended up working there. And now I sit on the board. Wow. <laughs> Isn't it cool when you find your people like you, 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 I, as I get older, I keep finding different tribes of my people. And so whether it's, um, you know, uh, um, an intellectual endeavor or a sporting endeavor lately, uh, at my age, I'm finding my people are those that can somehow hurt themselves while they're sleeping at night and they wake up sore the next day. I'm Do learning that's sleepwalk? also, I don't, I don't know what's people? happened. I just think it's part of the human condition. <laughs> Once you start aging, you're like, I wake up, Oh, I pulled something while sleeping. That's my people. <laughs> I know those people. I'm when becoming you got, that. When you got home, what did your folks think? Were they like easy or were they excited for you? Or <laughs> well, first how did it all, manifest itself once you got back to? Oh, my gosh. Well, first of all, thank you, parents, because who, you know, so much. I'm a parent. Mm -hmm. You throw everything against the wall, see what sticks. Right. Hockey, soccer, right. music, lessons, some right. instrument that you're going to rent right. for six months. And right. then mom ends up playing the cello. Right. Whatever. How so funny. I'm like, <laughs> so you throw all this against the wall. And my parents were just, what was it that they saw in me that was dying to go to space camp? They drove me down from Chicago to Alabama and... On the way back, here they are thinking, like, we just gave her 10 days of a life experience right. and lots of money. And I'm crying the whole way home. It was like a two-day drive. I'm crying because uh. not, of course, I was full of joy, but I was fully exhausted. But I was so sad because I knew going back to my neck of the woods, right. there were... I wasn't going to find that group again. Right. It was such a journey and such a pleasure to be with them and among them. And I lived everything we said. We already knew NASA acronyms. Right. I mean, I already knew what everything stood for. I knew all right. the buttons on the shuttle um, mission control, you know, the um, the parts of the shuttle. And I was right. like, 
where am I ever going to find this back in the Midwest? Right. So I was just devastatedly sad. I'm like, do not take me away from this magical place. Right. And exhausted, I mentioned that. So here's this young girl in the back of the van crying the whole way back to Chicago. So thank you, Mom and Dad. But I did go back. And what it was on me. I had to go find my own path. Mm. The teachers didn't have the resources like today where NASA teachers and educators are all over the world. And you can literally call up NASA or go online and find everything you need about everything you teach. Right. Math, science, weather, art, history. It's NASA government has websites just for you, teachers mm. in the field. Mm -hmm. So back then, I just had to find my own way. And so I continued asking questions, and then I go off to college, and every paper I write is about NASA, and everything I'm studying is about NASA and space sciences. I weave it into every narrative and every single thing. And then I go on to grad school, and I write a whole master's thesis on sci um, NASA, mm -hmm. and then I end up working for NASA. Mm. So I, I feel like, of course, people gave me opportunities and open doors, but I had to find it. There was, there's not a lot of Midwest NASA-based colleges that right. put you into the program. Right. So little did I know I had choices. I just had to get down to Florida or Alabama. But I right. didn't. I stayed in the Midwest for college and no regrets. Right. But I sure did find ways to sneak that in. Everything is testing boundaries and limits and and how do I help assist in that either in reading something and offering my opinion or or maybe going to uh, one of these things we're going to talk about a little bit to be an analog astronaut what that means but to go into one of these experiences or whatever how do I serve this industry it's also where most of if not all of the most important innovation is happening whether yeah. we're talking about industry or chemical or material or whatever uh, it's really a pretty eclectic group of people. Yeah, lots of fun stuff. And you know, your your battle with who you are and where you want to go with it or what you can do to put it into the world to serve, that's real. Right. That was my journey for years. And I applied to NASA six, seven, eight times because where does one with a really great writing ability and an incredible speaking <clears throat> ability and... Where, where does that fit at NASA? Right. I didn't know. And I applied for everything. I, I applied to be a driver to the executives. I applied to be a janitor. I applied to be, I actually got an F, I got a yes. We'd love to have you out. I was ready to board the plane. I was going out to one of the NASA, John, NASA centers and they said, oh, we didn't, we didn't realize how young you were. Mm -hmm. And I thought, did you read my application? Because right. it's on there. Right. So I was like, D please don't take the Earth observing satellite EOS opportunity away from me. I'll do anything to get to NASA. I just right. want to get there. But I'm so glad that I waited for the right opportunity because when a public affairs officer opening happened, mm -hmm. I didn't even know where... Houston, Texas was, I mean, I had heard of it, but right. I'm like, oh, it's way down there. Right. And I said, literally, this is it. Goodbye, parents. And they were like, well, just let's just go through the process and right. see where it lands. I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. Right. It's me and my talents. And I think, Dave, part of the journey is knowing yourself, right. knowing yourself. I'm not going to make, I don't want to fit as an engineer or right. a scientist. I study them, mm -hmm. I report about them, I became a science journalist, mm -hmm. and I became a space journalist, and it was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And then I had to write 
and share what was happening at Jensen Space Center with the taxpayers. Mm. What a job. Mm. You really needed a master communicator to do that yeah. because someone showing data and numbers is fine and mm -hmm. people really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. But for the everyday person who's looking from the outside into NASA, they needed that translation right. and they needed a master communicator. Yeah. And so I waited for the perfect role, but it sure was hard to find. What have been some of the things that you've got to uh, communicate about? Oh, my gosh. I have this really crazy, if you had to fill out a form and it said, what's your hidden secret talent? Yeah. It's find anything in the room, no matter where you put me, <clears throat> anywhere, and I'll find something that has a NASA story behind it. Oh. That's my jam. That's my talent, I guess. So because I was able to work in the technology transfer office, mm -hmm. which we commonly call spinoffs, mm -hmm. I loved taking the tangible things and getting the story behind it and saying, there's a whole story behind this. You have no idea how this material came into being and how we use it in our everyday lives. Right. And that was both a challenge, but it was so much fun. Right. Yesterday, you hosted a panel uh, about this thing called Analog Astronaut, mm -hmm. and I had no idea what that was. And I heard the term a number of times since I've been here. First, can you help us to understand what's an analog astronaut? Yeah, too easy. The, the easy answer or the in-depth? Let's, Let's go start easy. easy and go to in-depth. An analog astronaut is an astronaut that stays on Earth. How does an astronaut stay on Earth? <laughs> so we do all the same things that a regular astronaut would do. We look for extreme environments to test extreme situations, and we simulate what we think will happen. Mm but we stay on the planet. So we are looking for the lava tubes on the Hawaii underneath the volcano at the High Seas Research Center, mm. because we think in those lava tubes we'll find life. And we do, they're mm. called extremophiles. Mm. These are real things that right. you can't see with the naked eye, you can't even see, because down underneath the lava tubes there's no natural light, there's no sunlight, there is a little water, there's obviously a little atmosphere, and yet there's a whole biosphere of living things that are underneath there. We think that's what is going to be the case when we go to Mars. Mm. So we wanna get underneath the lava tubes of Mars, right. because we know that like Earth, Mars was formed in the same volcanic way. Right. So we know there's lava tubes under the ice, and right. we think there could be some minuscule, some kind of microbiological life form. Right. So we go into these analogs, and we, we're not just looking for things that are lifelike, we're looking for our own life. We wanna, we wanna see what can, as we transverse the universe, and mm -hmm. we start exploring, how are we going to do that safely as humans? And what are the tools and things that we need? Well, just like anything, and just like you heard on the panel yesterday, mm -hmm. those tools have to be tested. Mm -hmm. Well, where can we test them? Mm -hmm. Hmm. Let's find a crew of seven folks or six folks or four folks, and let's throw everything at them, including the anomalies, mm -hmm. and let's give, and this is most important, let's require them or invite them to data this out. Mm. Keep track of everything. I've done two analogs, and I have to tell you, if you've ever been interested, and I I invite everyone to do so if you can and if this is your interest but you have to be comfortable with being the guinea pig yourself oh how much water do you drink how much water do you expound right. how much do you eat what do you eat right. what time do you eat how do you feel when you eat right. what's your blood pressure when you eat 
how did you sleep last night? How many hours did you sleep last night? How many times did you get up in the middle of the night? Right. This is all important data that we turn back into NASA or in one of my analogs. I was in Poland. We turned it back into ESA. Mm. And we study everything. Tools, robotics. ESA being the European. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. European Space Agency. Right. Apologize. And we also had social behavioral experts and doctors who are looking at how we behave in isolation. Because mm. when we went into the Poland study, the doors shut for a month. When we went into Hawaii, the doors shut for a month. And we went in. This is my joke. We went in and there was an election. Mm -hmm. I came out a month later and there was still no official president. <laughs> now, that sounds crazy. I mean, I was only right. in Hawaii. Right. But when we go to Mars, a lot is going to happen back right. on Earth. And when we go and live on the moon sustainably, right. news and events will happen. And it's right. so important we communicate and keep in touch because you come back home and you're like, who's this? What's right. that? Who's the president? Right. <laughs> it's a real thing. So I'm curious, when you talk about analog astronauts as opposed to astronauts, sure. is the selection criteria the same? No. Is the opportunities the same? Help us to understand sure. what does that look like if um, you know, there's... These many opportunities, these many agencies run this. This is the um, this is the opportunity to get involved. Help us to understand that. Sure. Well, I think was it President Eisenhower that said golf is a beautiful walk spoiled by a little white ball? Yes, Who probably. Said that? So yeah, uh, same thing. It's like space <laughs> is a beautiful endeavor spoiled by the difficulty of trying to get there. Right. And An environment there. trying to kill you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you heard that on the analog yesterday. Yeah. Mars is literally trying to kill us. Why right. would we want to go? <laughs> so you're, there are analogs hidden all over the world. <clears throat> There's some uh, throughout the United States. Very a few. There's a handful. I mentioned Poland. There's some under the ocean. There's some that happen on boats. Mm. There's some that happen in the Arctic. There's some that are at the poles. Mm. And so um, there's some that are currently in Russia. And unfortunately, I just don't think we're ready to go right. there right now. Right. And these are stations or facilities that are already usually science funded or mm. privately funded. Mm -hmm. And the analog astronauts are selected through a process that's not anywhere near as um, extreme as NASA's astronaut core selection right. process. However, it's important to know that when we're looking at these astronauts, um, analog astronauts, that they're already explorers. Mm -hmm. They're already adventurers. People laugh and I say, you know, I'm from Chicago, but the coldest I ever was was in Hawaii because on the top of the mountain, it was freezing. We only had a canvas dome to cover us, and nobody told me. that right. They said it's going to be moderately cool. Right. Well, I slept in full, like, pants, sweatshirts, winter jacket. That's how I slept. And so when we explore, right, these are the challenges you're going to have to overcome as an astronaut. Mm -hmm. The astronauts don't. They don't have that. They have a very different, their environment is protected. Right. They have other things they have to worry about, like how to breathe and right. make it through the launch and <clears throat> landing. But you asked about the selection process. So you go through depending on what organization is hosting you mm -hmm. and for how long. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you get selected through an application process and you do have to meet criteria, mm -hmm. basic education. You have to be sometimes certain height requirements and, mm -hmm. and healthy. You mm -hmm. have to be able to trek along and, right. and be a good crew member, lift heavy things and be able to uh, egress or you know enter spaces mm -hmm. it's not a good idea to be claustrophobic it's not a good idea if you don't like adventure outdoors or being remote right 
isolation. There's a big part of it. You have to be a team player. I had some folks who had never camped, who had never been alone outside of a family situation coming into the analog for the first mm. time. It was very challenging for mm -hmm. them, very challenging. And we think we go about our day before COVID and we walked through life with meetings and people and interactions. Right. But how do you sleep at night? If you've never slept alone or with a team of six strangers, right. this will be your challenge or camped or had to, again, I go back to some of the very fundamentals and I always laugh. People ask me this when I worked at NASA, how do you go to the bathroom in space? Analog is also challenging. You mm. have to measure it. You have to e mm -hmm. evaluate it. You have to record it. And mm -hmm. if you're not comfortable doing that, right. so you want to do this because you want to know the science of it. Right. And then in the future, NASA's taking all this data and these companies are taking data. And this is the big thing for your listening audience. Mm. Companies need to get in on this. I cannot invite this enough. We didn't get to say it yesterday during mm. the panel. Our data is going to be worth a lot of money mm. because you're going to want to know if you're building a prototype of something for us to sleep better, breathe better. Food is huge. Mm. There's food companies starting now that have been established that they're, they're testing what tastes good when we mm -hmm. go to Mars and have long duration space flights. Yeah. Well, you give those foods to the analog astronauts and they're going to test it all. They're going to say, this is bad. This is horrible. I'll never eat it again. Right. This is really delicious. But that water weight was difficult to transport. Right. All that is the practice that you want to get down here on Earth. Right. But the data... We capture so much data. Mm. And when you build that perfect bed, that perfect meal, that perfect communication system to interact with your family back on home or mission control, if you can test it in an analog, it's cheaper, it's easier, you have more willing participants, you can probably do it for longer, you can mm. probably pay them less, right. but you'll have that data and then you can apply it to whatever is your ultimate goal. Right. And then ultimately you can either sell that to a space-based company, work with them to make something that's really going to help. And that is the whole purpose of an analog. Mm -hmm. We know that most of us will never probably go to space and that's okay. Mm. We want the challenge of it to say we helped in some way. My working at NASA, it was always very difficult to explain to others that I was part of a bigger mission. Mm -hmm. There was never I. It was we, us. I still to this day say at NASA, we, us. Right. You just knew that you were all pushing towards launch date May 2nd. And there was nothing else in front of you. There was right. no you had an email or you had a meeting. Right. It was we are working to May 2nd. Right. And the analogs are a lot like that, much more condensed with strangers in an environment you're not familiar with. What a better test bed to test yourself right. and your strength and your mentality and your capabilities. But also, you're also getting some really precious data that you otherwise aren't going to get in a long-term environment, in a sterile academic setting. You're kind of in it. And mm. so what a way to get true data. I, I'm First of all, I think that's fascinating. What's Is it... Um, all ages, all gender, all like how do they do they have missions that are more specific when it term in terms of uh, you know the the types of folks that are attending? I mean, obviously, outside the constraints of you've you've got to be able to you know come and go and be sure. able to move in the case of an emergency or something like that. Yeah, as long as you're healthy enough to kind of trans get down into a tunnel, right? Climb up and down ladders, right. up and down stairs, and sleep. I'm pretty tall. My bed was pretty small. And I'm like, people, 
people. <laughs> we're only getting taller. Right. And as we go to Mars, we're going to be taller. And right. when we go to space, our vertebrae right. expands. Can we make the beds just a little taller? Right. I was really cramped. Nevertheless, um, all ages, lots of students love doing analogs. The mm. problem is it's expensive. Mm. And so you some, have to, you're not funded by the analog you fund yourself. You can find a grant okay. and people and students are getting really creative in mm. how to get themselves funded and paid for these. Um, we, in the in the one that was recently completed in Poland, we worked with the city of Warsaw and we worked to communicate what we were doing there. You know, there's a lot of ways that you can find the money, but for students especially, you want to test some um, microgreens. Mm. Oh my gosh, get your plants into an analog. I ate, I brought my own seeds. I wanted to do radishes in the analog because there were radishes being flown on station at the same time. So I kind of wanted to do a growth study right. to see if the, and I actually put a, a bunch in Chicago. So I had three radishes growing in three locations on Mars in Hawaii. Right. On station and back in Chicago. Okay. I hate radishes, by the way. <laughs> I don't eat them. But I ate them in the analog because you're, you'll eat anything. You're so hungry. You want right. real green foods, the texture. Right. You don't want powdered stuff. Right. So um, when students can find the money or if they can correlate or if they can communicate mm -hmm. really well how this study is going to enhance us on Earth and mm -hmm. in space eventually, mm -hmm. oh, people will throw money at that. And then they can take that experiment into the habitat expand on it, show how it works or doesn't, how to modify. And you have, we have ongoing analogs that even after crew rotation happens. Mm. So I came in and continued a study that had already been six months in the work, mm. in the works that was in Hawaii. And those studies are ongoing. Right. You don't have to be any age, like I said, but students, especially, um, they're younger and they, they have a lot more energy to keep up with the analog. And right. just like the NASA astronauts, you're busy all day. Right. But nothing under high school. Right. What's the, um, I got to imagine, especially coming out of COVID, I'm always curious about this. In that, you, it sounds like not 100% isolated, but certainly confined with some isolation. What's, what's that experience like for uh, either for yourself or just people that are going through that, whether it's the first time or the 50th time? Yeah. I got to believe that's a significant part of the study. It is. And I'm excited because we listened yesterday to how they're building analogs now. And mm. I saw those dome shaped proposals. Right, right. And I was like, yes, you are on the right track. Cause here's the deal. You're going to sleep in a pod. You're going to have a closet for a kitchen. You're barely going to have a, your, as we found out in COVID, your workout space is your workspace is your meditation space. It all has to be multifunctional and right. that's on an analog as well. Right. But if you can have a dome where somewhere in some shape, and we are going to go for height, then you have an openness, you have an an airiness about it, you know, that right. you can kind of expand, you're going to feel much more comfortable. Right. I slept in a pod in Poland. I slept in a closet in Hawaii. And I was like, am I going to be okay? You know, I was a right. little nervous. And as soon as I walked in, but I saw this dome that was expansive. It was, it was over 24 feet. Right. It made me feel relaxed. Cause I'm like, there's an, there's a lightness about this space where we conjugate because it was in the middle and we were all kind of there together. Sorry. And I was like, this is, this is going to be fine. I right. know I'm going to be okay. Right. It is a challenge. Um, and this is going to be something that we're not going to have the luxury of space mm. until we're there and we've built and it makes sense to us, but humans need a lot of space. Right. 
both private space to feel comfortable to go to sleep at night and have quiet conversations or or the things you want to do just by yourself. And you have to have that sense of community. You have to go out and be with your colleagues and your friends and your, your teammates or you're not going to make it very well on the analog right. or in space. I know they've studied this for some time in the Navy in particular, not just submarines, but even in carriers. I was just reading an article, um, I think yesterday, and um, the mental health challenges from these long tours. You'd think after you know 30 years of nuclear-powered ships out at sea, um, we certainly have more information, but it is still sometimes tragically a challenge as you work through stacking people three or four tall in I their bunks. And, um, you know, sometimes un- in the case of a submarine being underwater that whole time, not even getting to experience sunshine or the air or yeah. whatever. There's no, you're just in this small group all the time. And one of the things I didn't realize on the bigger ships is you usually go to your job with this group of people, you sleep with this group of people, you eat with this group, of, like it's all sort of orchestrated for you. You don't have a lot of freedom. No. Um, there are some recreational areas and they're, like the Navy's very cognizant of this. This is not, um, it's not unknown, but um, it's a challenge. And then different generations react differently. A generation from 30 or 40 years ago, yes. as they interact with this, they have a different expectation and different tolerances than say, 20-year-old or 25-year-old sailors. And now when we mix women and men, long overdue, but now that we do that, it introduces more variables. And so how does that, how do we work through all of those things? Sure. Um, Is it a similar experience with the analog program? Sure. Yeah. I had an all-female crew in Hawaii. It was unbelievable. Mm. Not at all what I expected. I'm like, well, let's see where this goes. It was so great. What we really need with analogs, and we it's so hard because people are volunteering their time, and you're mm-hmm. already giving up a month. Right. But you need months prior to get to know one, one another. Right. Who are you? What are your strengths? Are you a morning person or right. a night, per- night owl? Right. For me, I was a night owl. So I was right there next to the commander watching her shut it down, prepare for the next day, take her notes. I learned so much. Right. But do not talk to me before 9 a.m. Right. And my crew didn't know that. So I had to remind them. And not because I was a crabby. Right. But just because it's like, I'm not going to be at my best to function to help you. Right. So don't put me on an EVA. Right. Don't put me in charge of anything important or safety, nothing. Please, I'll right. go clean the, the right. toilet, which right. is not a toilet in right. a traditional sense on an analog either. Right. But you're right. You're right, Dave. And I, I remember touring a submarine um, off Pearl Harbor with our family. Uh, no way. No way. And there are analogs underneath the water called Aquarius and Nemo, and there's mm-hmm. there's several. And you cannot open the door because you just have an emergency or you got to get back to the surface. That's not an option. As uh, Dr. Shauna said yesterday, it's, it takes us quicker to come back from international space station than it does to go to the surface from underneath one of these, um, I forget what Nemo stands for and it's extreme environment. Oh, I, oh, I can't at the, I can't right now get there, but, um, you have to do it properly. It takes several hours, as you know, as a right. diver. So you're in there. And this is a problem, I'm sure, in the Navy, but also for these analog astronauts who are not trained by professionals. Right. And we're stepping into strangers, an isolated situation, an unfamiliar environment. You can, we have to make it work. you got to right. get along. Now, can you open the door? Yes. Has that happened? Yes. Right. There are stories. <laughs> and 
did I think about it? Yes. Mm. And I thought about it more in Poland, but I felt more comfortable in Poland. Mm. I only thought about it more in Poland because it was so, we were in a bunker, World War II um, abandoned bunker under the ground. And the only light we could have or experience of the natural mm. earth was through the garbage chute. So mm -hmm. we would all sneak, take a sneak over to the garbage truck, you know, and mm -hmm. it, this bunker was so thick, but that long hallway out to the, um, to the air, we mm -hmm. could see if it was raining. We could tell if it was maybe night or day. Mm -hmm. And we would just, I mean, through slats in the garbage chute and right. tons of doors, but just to have that moment where we can have that exposure to the outside world was such a treat. So I found everyone was incredibly tidy and wanting to go take the garbage out right. on that mission every time. I'll take it. No, I'll take it. No, you took it last time. I got it. Right. I want to see the outside. That's <laughs> funny. You know, it, it um, it helps to inform them when we hear people talk about isolation as a punishment on why that's so devastating to the psyche of uh, prisoners, um, good or bad, I don't know. But it's if you haven't been through something like that, you're like, you know, how could it be? But to be completely isolated, not even with other people, but from all sensory input mm -hmm. from, you know, the environment around us, human beings, we have evolved, we are made to thrive in a particular yes. environment. Yes. And you have to be very purposeful and really, I think, practice the skills to manage whatever, when that environment for prolonged amounts of time, you've got to sit still, you've got to sleep in it, you know, you go to do an MRI, even that, that doesn't mm -hmm. bother me. I'm not uh, claustrophobic, but I've seen so many scuba divers that they have all of this open space, but that mask and that breathing apparatus, and it can emotionally overwhelm them. Yes. And they've they've got to get out. I've got to get out of this. Yeah. And um, one, the thing that I thought was really cool about the program was, just like in the military, just like in so many things, let's practice a thousand times. Let's do it, quote unquote, fake a mm -hmm. thousand times so that when we do it for real, we have simulated about as much as we can other than actually doing it for real. And hopefully... In that moment, when the unexpected happens, we've already we've got a scenario for that or something similar to yeah. that. Yeah, I should point out that analogs try to do their best with the resources they have, which are all secondhand. Nothing is, there are no three thousand dollar, three hundred thousand dollar spacesuits. Right. We do we have spacesuits, right. but they're you know they're right. purposefully made to be really tested. Right. So they're the secondhand spacesuits. We have an airlock. We use, we don't go in and out of that door. When it's locked and pressurized, right. we do everything. And I know I, I don't like the word pretend, but right. we acknowledge that Simulate. we are in the airlock. Right. And we, with our full, and it's worse because if you're actually in the airlock, you're having cool air pumped in there. You're having like a, a system, you know, an environmental, they call it ECLIS, environmental right. living systems. And you don't have that when you're pretending. So you're in a suit, you're sweating. You're getting a little like, how many minutes are we in here? And you just have to take it right. because you are going to honor the time, the traditional time that it takes to pre depressurize and then go out the airlock. Right. And even if there is an emergency outside on a simulation, you're always with a buddy. You're always communicating with mission control. There's always a mission control on an analog, by the way. Right. And you don't get to just, again, open the door, come on in. I got hurt or I threw up or I you know, need to use the bathroom. Mm -mm, right. You have to get back in pressurize the airlock, get, then come inside. We right. do that because we it's real for us yeah. because then the data reflects as true as we possibly can get it to 
to test the things we were looking to test, including our minds. Well, we're going to um, we're going to make sure we get from you links to analog programs. We'll include them in the podcast. I I want to, if it's okay, segue over into your podcast, Casual Space, because I am super curious. You have how many? episodes hundreds of episodes yeah, 150 70 we're almost 200 now yeah and you get so many cool people so now that you've been doing this for a while what are some of the things I you know this is where I get to pick your brain like you've just been I got this guest on I thought our conversation was going to be this but it just blew my mind who are some of those folks yeah the stories the stories is what yeah. I live for so once you get through the pleasantries of the podcast as you know and yeah. you get into that meat if you can be good about in the fine balance of letting it go there uh-huh. and letting them have their moment and walking it through, however they're remembering it or wanting right. to share it, that's the joy. That's the special zone. That's right. where you just step back. And you might have a question. The hardest part as a podcaster I've learned mm-hmm. is to not ask what I want to ask. Yeah. I'm thinking, what is the audience? Like when you pointed out, remind me what Isa is. Right. Oh, thank you. Because the audience is thinking the same thing in their right. car. Right. Wait, what's that? What is right. that acronym? Right. And so that's the challenge I have because I want to ask her about when she flew to space, what was the first thing? You know, that's on my mind. Right. But what is what do the listeners want to know? And right. I have to remember that now listeners are eight to eighty years old. Right. I have had people email I have had people send me you had a guest on who talked about this. I found a book in the attic that was the original works of that engineer, and I wanted to mail it back to you, and you can give it back to him if you're still in contact. Right. Oh, my word. Yeah. I call myself a conduit because all I do is turn this on, invite people in, and then I sit back and enjoy it, just right. like I hope we are here. Yeah. And you let the story unfold, and then someone, this is the whole purpose of casual space, I want to inspire the future generations of explorers Mm. and future generations are here in this room. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't have to be a little kid. We all are changing our careers. We found during COVID, you can do that. We found that you can take up scuba diving while you're working or have a side hustle while you have a traditional job. I want to invite the people who, because in my path, there were no young women or women who were scientists from the Midwest who are going to go to space someday and work for NASA. Mm. There weren't. I didn't see that path. Mm. So I'm going to open the door and invite them on the podcast. And I hear from people, um, I didn't know I could have that job. I didn't know sewing parachutes was a job. I didn't know that people have at that level <laughs> at NASA and studying and going to space imposter syndrome. Mm. And then we all connect and mm. hopefully it puts them on their path. And I just introduce it. Right. The stories are great. So let's talk about the stories for a minute. So you've got a hundred and something episodes. <laughs> I know you love them all. We mean no disrespect to any, but if somebody's coming into your program instead of starting at episode one oh. for the beginning, what would be one or two that you just felt like is, wow, this is really indicative of, you know, the thing I'm trying to get told in this program. So you've given them the mic, you sit back, you get out of the way, and they spell out a story that just captures your imagination and your audience's imagination. 
who would one of those people oh, be and why? Right? Yeah. Okay. Dr. Cyan Proctor was on the Inspiration for mm. Flight. You know her because she's the first African-American pilot, female, right. who broke all the records. And she's here today. She is. I, I actually saw, saw her earlier. And yeah. she'll, she's been on the podcast. And then we became friends because she served as my mission control um, advisor while we were in the habitat. So mm. I knew her before she was selected to fly. Mm. When she flew, I went. I had the privilege of going down to see her launch, mm. and I got to meet her family. Mm. The episode you are referring to that everyone must hear is with Brian Real and Chris Proctor, her brother. Okay. Brian Real worked with her father on Guam, and that's what started her journey in space. And with he worked at NASA, mm. and he would helped um, he helped watch um, and and um, observe where the Apollo astronauts were going to go on that side of the world and help um, capture where they were so that um, they can relay all the data and communications back to NASA. And there were stations that would follow them throughout the world. Guam mm -hmm. was one of them. Mm -hmm. So Brian worked with science father, Dr. Proctor. And he had come full circle watching this young girl who grew up in that world mm. become a flown astronaut. That was always her dream. So he's on the show. And then her brother, Chris Proctor, who makes me laugh, is her younger brother. And he is so funny. And it's not science story is incredible. It's inspirational. There's no doubt. That's why she's here. And right. she's doing the circuit. And she's got a book. And she's an artist and a poet. But her family's story, what did they see? What mm. did they observe? What were they feeling? Mm. That Those are the episodes that speak to my heart because that's me and that's you. Right. We didn't go to space. Right. Cyan can only tell that story right. in her own unique way. Right. But watching her go, that was all of us. So I laugh with Chris and I tear with Brian because he he said, you know, I'm so proud of you. He talks like you're in his kitchen. And mm. I think we were podcasting from his kitchen. Right. And of course, I have astronauts on and engineers. Sometimes CEOs get very vulnerable mm. and they say things on my show that I don't think they would say when they're doing their speaking points at a major conference doing the things right. because it is casual space. They want to just relax for a minute. And I don't ask them the hard questions. I'm not there to in journalism right. to interrogate them. Right. They want to share what made their love. What? How did they fall in love with space? Mm. So I have such gifts in those. Mm. Of course, the astronauts surprise me. They usually tell some stories. And if you want a really good one, oh my gosh, what episode was it where... The astronaut was on, and then his son joined the Zoom, and then his wife joined the Zoom, and now they're just all telling stories about him right. that I'm sure he didn't want us to know, <laughs> and it just became a laugh-a-thon. Right. We, we have artists and musicians, and those are the stories, too. We all touch space. We all have a story and desire for space, so sometimes as I let the story unfold, I've there's been tears, there's been revelations, just because you can invite people in. And mm -hmm. they know that this is not going to NASA. Right. It's going to the ears of people who are driving and living and working and trying to get through their day. But we're all connected, and space is such a great you know, umbrella to be connected under. I just had my husband tell us all about his... <laughs> he went to the space track convention with some friends. Mm -hmm. I didn't get to go. And that was just hilarious. He got to meet William Shatner. And we talked about the Trek and how those technologies have not only inspired us, but they're appearing right. in our lives over the last 60 years. Yeah. 60 years. I know. It's crazy. So those are the stories. And I find them everywhere. Here with you and right. out on LinkedIn, I, I find the guests. Right. But if you just invite, mm. the, sometimes it has nothing to do with space at all. Right. I 
One of the things, kind of going back to Scion, that I like, I think she's the person that I read about. Um, did she uh, learn to play hockey? Is she the one I'm thinking I about? I think she's a hockey fan. Yeah, I think it might be her, African-American yeah. uh, woman. I think it's her. If not, um, there's, she's got a uh, doppelganger. But what I loved about her story was um, she reminds me in a, in, an, in a way that only my brain can connect to Tony Dungy, the American football coach, Super Bowl winning football coach. And I heard Tony Dungy years and years ago. He was um, he was an assistant coach for the Minnesota Vikings, and somebody had um, uh, somebody from the press, ESPN, asked him a question. Hey, what's it? What's racism like being uh, you know an African American coach in a professional sport? And you're getting ready to go do this thing over here at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And he said, you know, all of us human beings have obstacles. He was very just this amazing answer. All of us have obstacles. I believe I'm a child of God. I get obstacles. Um, and so I don't frame it the way that you framed it. I, I thank God that as a, a guy born at this time in this place with these opportunities and these obstacles, how do I, how do I pursue the things that I'm interested in? What am I for? Which is not to say I don't ignore mm -hmm injustice and things that need to be confronted, but that's not what I'm about. What I'm about is what I'm for. How do I help men achieve what they want to achieve when they don't really want to work that hard, but we've got this common dream. How do I, um, the voice in my head that keeps telling me, you know, you're some kid from this place, this, who are you to lead white people, black people, uh, wealthy people in, you know, whatever the war that goes on. I want to be about what I'm for and how do I help make human beings better human beings and not have this war trip me up. Mm -hmm. And when I read that conversation about, um, she said something effective, yeah, I'm an African-American woman, but I'm interested in hockey and I want to learn how to play and I want to get out on the rink. And it wasn't, I want to show people of another ethnicity or sure. I'm against something. I'm for this and yeah. I want to try it out. And I, my imagination was captured by space and my imagination was captured by these things. Not because I want to necessarily be the first person of this fill in a category to do it, but because it's cool if that's true, but my heart is thrilled with the idea of this. And I have real interpersonal struggles and I have relationship struggles and I have yeah. um, vulnerabilities. And yet I'm going to be transparent, authentic, and I'm going to pursue those. I think most human beings connect, if we're honest, with people like that. Yeah. What are we for? And how do we work through it's more it's more interesting when we're flawed and we work through it with the help of other people then we're just now nah, i just got superpowers and you know so true and i want to remind everyone as accomplished as dr cyan proctor the geologist the professor the analog astronaut several times over the mission control specialist is she won the seat to space because she submitted her artwork Mm, and her poetry. I didn't know that. Not because she was an analog astronaut. Wow. She won the seat as the entrepreneur spirit seat that was open, all the four seats that right. were open, because she wanted to sell her art and get her art and right. try. And she had just started becoming an artist. She probably has always right. had a creative, right. you know, artistic mindset. But she definitely won that seat as a poet and an artist mm. first. Oh, and she has a pilot's license, and she's right. a doctor of geology, all those things. And she's pretty, ex she's an adventure explorer. She's done all kinds of amazing things. 
But think about that. I mean, we struggle as humans to try to put it in a category. You do this job because you're skilled in this job and that's what you do. And we define ourselves. We introduce ourselves. What do you do? I do this. Right. We're so much more. Yeah. It sounds like Tony's got the, the way to go about presenting that. Yeah. She, um, I remember now, I think I, I'm certain it's her also. She was really transparent about um, a relationship thing she was going through. It was pretty serious. And she was like, and I was broke. Mm-hmm. I was broke. I'm broke. And these are the things. And there's nobody to rescue. And she's not saying it from a position of, and I pulled myself up by my bootstrap. She was just, look, this, I'm a regular human being. And these were the th- real things in my life where my heart was broken and my f- bank account looked like this and my circumstances looked like this. But I was in love with a certain number of things and I just kept, I just kept going on and the universe doesn't reward everybody in the same way, but I respond to stories like that because we're all a little flawed, if not a lot flawed, a little broken. You mentioned imposter syndrome before. We all have that to some degree. Yeah. After Um, the analog panel, we, we, the analog astronauts kind of stepped out and we talked among ourselves and they were asking us, so what is it? And we all said, you know, it's about what breaks you. Right. That's what the analog is doing. Either yeah. you break before you go in, while right. you're in, or after you're done. At some point, you're going to do it. Right. And you're already broken anyway, right. so what's the thing that's going to tip you over the edge? Right. And we laugh about that now, but we laugh about that going in. And if you're yeah. a really strong person, if you know yourself well, you can put that on the table before you even start. Right. Like, listen, I'm not a morning person. Right. Listen, I don't do this. There right. was one person on an analog who it was so funny. I really feel for them. I'm not going to say names. At the end, we were, we were trying, it was taking out everything you bring in. Mm -hmm. You, you don't leave anything behind. You don't give, you don't put any trash. Everything Mm -hmm. gets recycled, repurposed. You leave nothing as if you weren't even there or you leave it better. So we're leaving, we're tucking in, we're doing the cleaning, we're doing the things. And this one particular person was like, and how does this work? And we're like, oh, you just showed your cards. We're supposed to be doing that all along. Clearly you didn't do any of those chores, (laughs) but she was honest about it. And we were like, well, now it's your turn. Right. Like, here's all of it. Right. But it's okay. So yeah. everyone has a balance, but right. everyone's going to break. And that probably wasn't her thing or she didn't right. want it to be. Right. Okay. Some people really struggled with not communicating with family. Yeah. And that is tough stuff. Yeah. As a parent, for me, yeah. oh, and I mean, there's friends and family, but can you go a month without talking to friends and family or seeing them? That was hard. How, how old are your children? 10 and 13. So I have 19, 21, and 23-year-old daughters. Aww. I've been married 35 years. If somebody called me and said, you've got to go to the ocean of Miami and watch lava tubes for a month, <laughs> praise God from whom all blessings flow. I would miss talking to my beautiful bride, but my daughters and I, I'm teasing, of course, but it's... <laughs> You know, um, what about your kids? Could you do it? You would do it though. I would do it in a heartbeat. Um, but I just think I'm at a different stage in, uh, in life. I, I love, uh, You would do it because it's a new, it would be a new chapter for you and that's part of the challenge yeah. and, and you would find other ways. Yeah. You would write notes yeah. or find ways to communicate or do things prior to your 
leave right. or arrival. Yeah. I wanted to ask you with your kids, are any of your kids um, interested in the same kinds of things you were? Or are they, uh, they back yeah. there paying, playing cello with grandma? Right. We can all be astronauts, Steve. <laughs> I just want to circle back to your point. Yeah. Is you don't have to go to the extreme to do an analog. You don't have to go all the way across the world. I would like to because there's right. so much world to see, right. but you can do it in your yard. Right. You can do it with a community group. You can do it at the local college. You can do your own analog and you can put yourself in a situation, test yourself and challenge yourself. Some people that's called vacation <laughs> sure. with the family in a car right. driving across the country. Right. right. We all remember those right. stories. Those are analogs. Right. Those are analogs. Do you have limited resources? Yeah. Are you sleeping right. in a different bed? Sure. Are you with strangers? Sometimes. Right. But I just want to invite everyone that analogs exist so that we test ourselves, the equipment, and it doesn't have to be so official in an environment. So feel free to just, you know, if you can't get to one or if you don't, you know, feel that you're going to be comfortable for whatever reasons you have, total respect. Start your own. Make one. Or go right. make, call your next vacation in analog right. and take notes. Wear your watch. Wear some personal data that that notices how much more relaxed you are perhaps right. these these are ways that you can improve yourself yeah. without putting yourself in such extreme environments so you can do it my kids have heard all my nasa stories they have heard i have astronauts that have literally come to the house right. and they're like okay I mean, they love, don't get me wrong, right. but this is commonplace to them. And right. I, you know, it's going to be cool after right. they're out of school or something. And then, right. you know, they don't tell me. So I find out from a friend, they're like, oh, guess what? In science class, we put your mom, your podcast on and everyone was like, that was your mom, right? right. That's your mom. And my, my kids are like, um, yeah. yeah, you know, they're just like, it's not, it's not about how right. cool space is. It's about that mom is right. trying to, you know invite them to make it cool. I'm right. going with my son to space camp in oh. about next month. Okay. I'm going back for a board meeting and he has no idea. He's never been. Right. And this is just going to be required in the Mund family that right. he's going to go. I went with my daughter when she was young because right. you have to be a certain age to go by yourself right. and they're not quite there yet. So right. he's going to go. I'm going to take him. We'll see how his mind, what happens. But, right. you know, it, it settles in with them like most kids. And then it blossoms in the most unique way. Right. And for me, I'm already passionate and they hear that right. passion in me. Right. But that's not them. They're different people. Right. So what they love is, haha, mom hates radishes. She has to eat them <laughs> while she's in the analog. Right. How did right. that go? Right. Or haha, mom, you s how long did you go without a shower? Right. Really? You tell us to shower every night. That's right. not fair. Right. So we enjoy that. Right. And then they don't, they think, I think they hear through my stories around the, the dinner table my lessons learned from the guests on the show right. and the astronauts and the musicians and the artists and the storytellers. And I say thing and I bring them to the table. I'm like, guess what? I learned today. And I always say that. So that's not on them. I'm not right. pushing it on them, but I'll say, you know, something I never knew, you know what I discovered today? I found out, you know, whatever. Right. So that's how I share it with them. It goes, it goes down way better than just Clean your room and astronauts coming right. to the house. We right. all freak out, you know, right. so they don't like Clean that. Clean up this analog. What are we doing? <laughs> well, Beth, what have we not talked about today? I know we just got a couple minutes left, but... 
Well, I feel like we've the data and your yeah. show for your listeners yeah. and the whole purpose. I th- that means everything. So think of data as input in right. every way, shape, or form. And don't try to work so hard to say, well, that's space and space is out here and right. that has nothing to do with my everyday life. So not true. The glasses you wear, the materials that are on your body, the computers. I mean, we can go into, I can spin off all day. I can right. do all the tech transfer. You are benefiting in your life every day because we are exploring space. It doesn't have to be an either and. Right. I mean, either or. It, ha- it can be and. Right. So if you're interested in data and you want to know really intricate things, I didn't get into any numbers with you. Right. I didn't talk about you know where the data goes or how it gets processed right. and what happens and how we implement it. That's a whole nother maybe right. part two sometime. Yeah. But, uh, you know, being observers to how we're living. Mm. We do that in analogs and you can do it in your life too. And I want to point out, you said something so brilliantly, how are we going to do this mentally when we're isolated? If we can take moments, and I think as humans, we're getting there, the pendulum is swinging back to quiet your mind, be with yourself, get to know yourself. We're, we're such people of constant inundation of information and we have to filter through it all day long. No wonder we can't sleep. Right. We're constantly processing and analog makes you sit still. I mean, you're very busy. I shouldn't say that, but mm. if you, if you don't know yourself going in an, into an analog, you will, when you come out, right. because there are so many moments that are just you and yourself and you better be Comfortable with yourself and comfortable enough to also tell your teammates, I'm at fault at this. So pick me up and bring me along here. Or, you know, I'm not, I'm have these strengths. Mm. So let me apply them. Mm -hmm. Well, you should know that going in. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we're very good at letting ourselves get to know ourselves. So if your listeners, both uh, two very different things, but um, there's a lot of data stories that evolve your, your life here on earth and in space that are going to beautifully combine together and you'll see uh, you'll see how that weaves together in so many ways and then as you ex- as you go on adventures whether they are backyard campers or the next vacation get to know yourself mm. in a really unique way put don't read a book don't turn on your laptop don't open the phone and just sit still with your thoughts mm. and watch the sunset and and ask questions and being curious and inquisitive. And then they'll, you'll bring in more data because you'll go, you'll go search for those answers and right. they may not be in a book. So I hope that was helpful. And the last thing I would say, one of the things that's become very obvious to me, one of the many things this week is um, whether it's, the, it's framed as human to Mars or lunar missions or analogs or whatever, this is super important. And right now, I believe the United States and its allies, I don't mean to make this political in any way, we we seem to have the lead in so many of these ideas. And it's important because we get the benefits of the technology, we get the benefits of the research, we get the benefits of these mm-hmm. things. And I don't want us to um, miss an opportunity to continue to lead in that way because we find it not important. We find it not worth investing our time or our money or government resources or a private industry in. It really does matter to your point about turning all of the things from eyeglasses to uh, solar panels for our homes or whatever into value. That's important, I think, for um, like-minded people to maintain the lead, to invest the time and the energy in that. So, Yes, anyway. Inspiration4 was the perfect case study for that. Mm. They went to space and 
they were philanthropic when they did it, mm. donating over $400 million to St. Jude. Wow. We can do both. Right. We can go explore space right. and solve the problems here on Earth. Right. I fully, firmly believe that. Jeff Bezos made a donation to Chef Andres, who is currently World Kitchen on the Ukrainian border, giving food and cooking food to people. We can go to space and solve the problems right. on Earth. We do not have to choose. Right. So I agree with you, Dave. The future Perfect. can be right here among us. And we can do the big, bold things, brave things, right here in our backyard. Right. Beth Munn, thanks for coming on the show. I look forward to our next conversation. Me too. All right. And if you've enjoyed this conversation, please like, share, subscribe, and comment. We'll see you next time on the QTS Experience. See you, everybody.